Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Oh, hello. Uh, this is me. This is, I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. Hey, it's us. We're doing our show, Just Dads Reading Books, and go, go, we go, got a go. great book for you today. Go, it's go. it's The Tale of Despero by Kate DiCamillo. DiCamillo? DiCamillo? DiCamillo. Okay, there you go. I understand it pronounced. DiCamillo. Uh, this is a 2003 children's mm-hmm. fantasy book uh, that, honestly... Feels like it could have been written in the 60s or something. It has a... This is just like a timeless fantasy novel to me. It could uh, be written today. It could man. still be written yeah. today, but just the the feeling of it, the vibes it puts off, it feels mm-hmm. like something uh, deeply nostalgic. It's like a nostalgic, soft fantasy about a mouse going on an adventure. Yeah, uh, it's a very fun book. It, it makes a lot of points to the reader, or in our case, the listener. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of... Um, it's a lot. It's a very engaging book, um, it, and yeah, like you said, it's very timeless. Um, it's your just standard stock fantasy yep. book, and really uh, is a good entryway uh, into our uh, you know larger goal of how to maybe get our kids into Terry Pratchett. Yes, one day. <laughs> exactly. We want to find the the beginners fantasy, the the stuff to get our kids started on as they're young, so that by the time they're like twelve or thirteen. They can understand the jokes being told in Terry Pratchett. That's the only thing we're after. We actually don't care if our kids mm-hmm. are into fantasy, except for yep. Terry Pratchett. That's the goal. Uh, mm-hmm. And Tale of Despero, I think, is a wonderful entry on that list. Uh, the Tale of Despero is actually four little micro books. It's really the right. story of three different important characters. The book is called mm-hmm. The Tale of Despero, but it's also the tale of Roscuro or Chiaroscuro. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's also the tale of Miguri Sao. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is all three of their stories connecting together that creates the overall tale of Despero, the, the great hero that was. Yeah, and Despero really <laughs> is just the plot thread um, for Roscuro and Miguri Sao when it comes down to it. I yeah. think that one of the things that we noticed about this book, I, just a, a little bit more broad view again, though, real quick. Um, this book is really stock fantasy. Yes. It is like very stock fantasy, which yeah. is totally cool. I mean, it's I probably it. it's probably for anywhere from like eight to twelve. I would I would say um, yeah, maybe even probably, younger. Uh, if you're reading yeah. it to them, like a six year old, probably engage with this. But yeah, the, what's nice about it is I think you know classical fantasy. Mm-hmm. probably has sort of the problem of feeling too old of language that kids can't quite identify with it anymore. You know, you read, honestly, this comes from me as a person who loves The Hobbit, but you read The Hobbit now and there are aspects of it that feel old and a little bit outdated as you're reading it. You're, right. you, know, you have to just sort of warm yourself up to that, which is fine and good to do. But Tale of Despero masters this quality of feeling like that, without actually being language that like modern children wouldn't understand. But 
uh, like EJ referenced, the the author is reciting to you. It's almost written as a thing to be told. So, you know, it's it's it is presented in this story time manner. Right. The, the the narrator uh, we listen to the audiobook, but it's in the book as well. Is constantly referring to and listen close, dear reader, or listen close, <laughs> listener. Uh, let mm-hmm. me tell you about what happened next or whatever. It's it's very much like a spoken word tradition vibe which makes it feel so classical and even though it is more modern and is um i think telling things in a way that modern kids wouldn't be bouncing off of in any way it builds in the theater for you to read this to your kid right right. i think that's there are some books that don't really do that where you you know where you have to kind of come up with the theater to keep your kid engaged and i really like that about despero is the fact that you could sit there and and read those lines and it's like Listen here, my child. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and it's it's got that built in, so you you get to kind of engage with it in that way, as if you're really narrating it, not like you're just reading the book to your child. So, uh, very very good. Um, I think use of that that narration, yeah. uh, by Kate DiCamillo in this book. But uh, getting into the book a little bit, I mean, it starts with book one, and it's just I think both of us really like yeah kind of how this book starts yeah i really actually liked specifically the tale of despero it's called a mouse is (laughs) born is book one but um it's the story of this sad teeny tiny little mouse born even Mm. too small but with ears that are too big and uh we're in a sort of not quite medieval but like not far we live in a castle right this mouse lives in the walls of a castle and there's things like that and uh Basically, Despero knows how to read, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a strange thing about Despero. And basically, Despero yearns to not be a mouse. Despero doesn't want to do the things that mice do. Despero wants to be a hero. Despero wants to save a princess. Despero wants to do all those things. Knows how to read and speaks the king's English. Yeah, speaks the king's <laughs> English. Absolutely. Uh, and that, that's a thing a lot of characters can actually do. Uh, it turns out all these animals could just speak to people. Just talk. But they have very strict laws that right. prevent them from speaking to people. And that's the whole thing. Yeah, very Toy Story-esque. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't, you've got to, you know, the Andy's home it sort of It is very Toy Story. That's right. funny. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's absolutely true. It, it is a very, there are laws in this place. And basically the whole thing is Despero keeps breaking the, the, the strict mouse mm-hmm. bylaws. You have to be afraid of humans. You can't engage with humans. And instead, Despero sees a princess, wants to talk to her, wants to meet her, wants to marry a princess. The king yeah. of this princess has wants nothing to do with uh, mice. We'll get into that a little bit later of what the heck is going on in this king's head. But yeah, uh, Despero just really wants to be a hero. And so he is ostracized. He is kicked out of the, my, the mouse colony and thrown into the dungeons, basically. And this is where um, sort of the, oh, how do you want to call this? The literary element that's used here um, is this thread that gets tied around his neck. Oh, yeah, right. right. Like it's a thread that's around his neck, you know. It's almost like a milestone that he's wearing. (laughs) Um, But it's, um, uh, you know, it's the mark of death. He gets sent to the dungeon, right? Mm -hmm. And he's got this red thread and... He meets a jailer down there named Gregory the Jailer. I'm, I'm Gregory the Jailer. You know, and that's how Gregory speaks. And uh-huh. he's just this. He's and Gregory is not unlovable. Gregory decides that he's heard that de- de- you know Despero um, wants to tell him a story, and yeah. so that's what Gregory decides. But Gregory also has a bit of a milestone himself. He's got mm-hmm. a red rope 
that's tied around his ankle and is is tied to the exit of the of the dungeon so yep. that he can get make his way back because it's such a uh a maze down there so yep. uh i i really love this first book um mm-hmm. you get to meet essentially every like good character in the book right? right like every and i don't mean that like as in a like all uh, other characters aren't well written it's good guys every our protagonists yeah, all the good guys our heroes all our protagonists yeah. so you meet princess p who's the sweet young lady who loves despero despero loves her yep. and uh the only bad person people that you meet really are king philip and then the head rat right like yeah the king the king of the mice so those right. are like the two real bad people but everybody else seems to be chill yeah. um despero finds his way into the dungeon yeah so at the end of book one uh we have despero captured by this jailer the jailer is the only human who knows his way around the dungeons of this castle uh, and right. he specifically notes the only other people or the, the only other creatures that know all about the dungeons are the rats. Enter book two, the story of <laughs> Roscuro, our rat, uh, our Italian rat. It turns out if Despero yeah. is our French mouse, uh, our Italian rat is a cunning rat. Uh, rats are disgusting little creatures. But the whole thing with Roscuro is he uh, similar to Despero, who is obsessed with this idea of being a hero, the rats in this world are supposed to love the darkness and all things horrible. And Roscuro wants to know more about the light. I want to see the light. I want to see more of that and, and is always tantalized by doors opening that lead to light. Yeah, but unfortunately, Roscuro has a bad evil friend Botticelli (laughs) remorso I do think it's funny that it's a French mouse and like all the mice are French all of the rats are Italian and then there's British people yeah Yeah. so we're in a British castle with French mice it's uh it's kind of an insane story but we love it um I'm here I'm here for it it actually makes it great in the audiobook specifically because it it allows the uh, narrator all of this written by an American woman we should know too (laughs) She's from Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. Either way, uh, Roscuro's story is basically his his turn to darkness, his turn into being Mm -hmm. an awful person. Basically, his quest for the light leads him up into the upper parts of the castle where he hangs from a chandelier and falls into the soup of the king, uh, into the queen, I should say. The queen's soup, yes. The queen drinks the soup, and guess what? Oh, no, the queen unfortunately dies and uh yes. this causes the king to not only hate all rats but also hate all soup uh he has a very knee-jerk yes. reaction to these the series of events and the whole thing that this story is doing is a fun kind of frame device of like setting up the idea of like how stories are told it's like obsessed with its own structure it's like let me explain to you why the king hates rats and you sort of back up and the with within each of these books the narrator is saying before we can go on we have to back up and explain why this is the case so let's tell the story of Roscuro so that we can get back up to speed basically so it's it's a fun uh idea it's certainly you know it 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 starts and stops you. It's like a whole new star story. You completely forget about Despero for the next series of chapters. Uh, but yeah. you're only dealing with dealing with Roscuro for a while, and you just learn specifically the story of how eventually uh, he runs back off to the dungeons and is just a dark, nasty little rat uh, with his friend That's Botticelli because yep. he was spurned by the people up there in the light. And all he wanted was the light. Right? All he wanted but was the light and maybe some all soup. All he wants to do. 
Yeah, and some soup. Um, and then we get to meet our six-year-old Biggery Sal, and she's the go, 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 go. Every time Biggery Sal talks, she says go. The story. Sorry, um, the chapter is literally called go. G O R exclamation point. The tale of Miggery Sal. Go. The tale of Miggery Sal. True, true, true. And Mig is just a really, really unfortunate person. Yeah, yeah. Just like her mom died. Like, it, real quick, this book does introduce some interesting elements, like in terms of like heavy elements. For sure. If um, Miggery Sal were in the modern day, her best friend would be Timmy Failure. Uh, let's yep. put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Timmy Failure. You just had me thinking about that just now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's sad in like ways. It's like Mickery Sal doesn't understand how sad things are around her. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this book. Okay, so so Timmy Failure spends a bunch of time in that book where it's mm-hmm. like Timmy Failure screws everything up and he's he you know, but it never like points it out. This book is basically like Mickery Sal is stupid and yep. hey, guess what? Sometimes. People don't have a choice in that because they're poor or whatever. Like the book basically <laughs> fully spells it out for you of like, none of this is Miggery Sow's fault, but yeah, she's not the brightest crown on the, in the box basically. Yeah. And well, and, and like, and like you said, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bad things that happen to her. Like she yeah. gets smacked on the ear so much that she becomes deaf. Yeah. Like in one ear or something right, crazy right. like that. Her ear, her ear turns the cauliflower, which is like right. an old, I, I feel like I haven't heard that, that, sense that sort of thing since like the 40s or whatever like that's such an old yeah thing. what is it what is the word i'm gonna what, what do they say how how does clout. she get hit they yeah, clout, I'm clout clout. You. yeah oh my gosh this that, that this is the kind of language that this book uh throws in there to make it feel like it's from 50 years ago rather than 20 years ago and uh yeah so that whole chapter uh, or the whole section is about miggery sal and just i mean it really is just her entire like what her job is is to mm-hmm. bring food down to gregory and like that's her job and right. like all she wants to do and you can tell like um i, I really like the introduction of her character because it's just like this is just a kid that wants to be a princess you yeah. know or wants and really not even i don't even think miggery sal really wants to be a princess she just wants to be treated with like respect a yeah. little bit right like you know and and i think that her story is probably the most like i mean it's obviously the most sad but it's also just like the most like uh, poignant yeah i think it has the most weight uh out of the three stories right. to this point. well and there's a fun setup and payoff that uh kate does with this which is in the roscuro book uh mm-hmm. there's a section that talks about a man in the prison who confesses to trading his daughter away for yep a red tablecloth and some other like food or whatever, just some random stuff. And then you learn in ta- the tale of Miggery Sow that she is the daughter that was traded away. And she, through being traded away, she is eventually a servant of the castle. To go back to, there's a setup in Despero's first tale about all the bowls and spoons that are in the dungeon. And you learn why the bowls and spoons yeah, yeah, are right. in the dungeon. <laughs> like that, I really, I really like the the plot devices or the story devices. That's the whole. Yeah, it's it is obsessed with its own structure. That is the whole point. Mm-hmm. Is that it's telling you these chunked stories, but then constantly referencing within them, so you sort of catch the things and go, "Oh yeah, I remember that too." And mm-hmm. I I do think it's a fun element of you're you're meant to. It adds to the thing feeling old, right? It it, it 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 lends itself to this idea of like, I recall that point from the first story and I recall that from yeah. the second story. And it's like, it, it makes it feel like you're learning. Like this would be a great thing where, you know, if you're sitting down to read a book with a kid, you know, you could probably really sit and just read all of book one 
like in a night, right? If you had like a long mm-hmm. sit down reading session, it's probably 30 minutes to an hour to read all yeah. of book one. Um, oh, yeah. And that's the true of like each book. So you could like within one week read this whole book and have mm-hmm. those like callbacks to earlier in the week or whatever. It would, it would be a very interesting um, process. I like the way that you put it too. Like it, it is a learning process for the reader. But like I think from like an eight to, you know, eight to 12 year olds perspective, I think, you know, it can get you into it's a good segue into some other types of books that aren't fantasy either. Yeah. Like Encyclopedia Brown is like the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, like books where you get to kind of solve riddles right. as you're going. Right. I think that a book like this that has easy riddles to solve, easy dots to connect. Right. Uh, is a good segue into books where, you know, the dots get more and more challenging. Yeah. So. Well, and it's it's a fantasy staple too to have like world building right the idea Mm -hmm. that we're going to learn about various locations all of this is taking place in like a castle but the castle is a frame for all of these different types of cultures the rats the people in the dungeons (laughs) the mice the people up above like those are literally different countries in your (laughs) otherwise fantasy world right yeah i'm starting to feel like maybe <laughs> maybe Kate has something against Italians because <laughs> all the rats are mean in this. Yeah, and they are—they are all have names like Roscuro and Botticelli. <laughs> you know, like it's uh, very. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret uh, Kate yeah. and, and the Italians, but that—that's certainly a a recalling <laughs> thing. Uh, so. The final book is recalled to light, and it's where all three of our characters' uh, stories worked you know they, they come together in this final moment and yeah. really recall to light is like wrapping up the story and we don't have to spoil everything in it but it is essentially <laughs> finally we come back to despero yep. and it feels like it's been 100 years since we've <laughs> learned what he's been up to but yep. i think that works too because there's a certain idea of he's trapped in the dungeon for a while i mean you turn like you just turn the light off and it's yeah. like yes despero gets trapped in the dungeon for a while so we might as well go talk about these other characters so in that way i think it's a great reason to bounce around to these other stories because then you're just like oh my gosh how long has this kid been down here who knows we don't really have like a great idea because we just feel like it's been forever but yeah then it's just about the great escape of uh what what happens in miguri sow's thing um is that she goes to kidnap princess Peach. she meets roscuro roscuro's mm-hmm. a nasty rat all he wants to do is capture the princess that is the reason mm-hmm. he got kicked out right she screamed and sold a rat a rat whatever uh so he has this vendetta against princess p he has this vendetta against the king he has this vendetta against people uh so princess p is captured and sent into the dungeons and despero has to save her now in book four and that's it that's like the whole that's all of book four is this uh wild plot there's only like one really important character we get to meet and i say important because it's funny but it's just the uh the cook yeah um is absolutely hilarious um, well, we, so. we glazed over the fact that you know this book is doing funny uh stuff that i think is going to ring true for terry pratchett where the idea that like soup is banned in this land but yeah. there's like people i don't know what you walk in on the cook and the, the even the author the, or the the reader is like and yeah. won't you believe it listener they were cooking soup, soup. and i know what you're thinking isn't soup banned in this land and and it's just such a good like I don't know, such a corny little uh, thing, but the cook is like very freaked out that people might catch him making soup. Yeah, I almost wish that this uh, book was more of that, like kind of more hijinks at the end. It really, it it just takes itself maybe a little too seriously, but I think overall, since it is a, a fantasy novel and yeah. that's all it is, like right. I'm okay with it just being this, this one scene that has this like off the wall, like 
calling yeah. attention to how wild the world is right right uh scene but uh i think it would be really funny if it like called more attention to it because they kind of do it at the end too um yeah, yeah. you know whenever they wrap up the book they're they're basically talking about how like uh yeah and despero and p didn't get married so yeah. like because like don't worry still they're don't a mouse mice. and a human yeah like, yeah like, <laughs> that doesn't they work didn't go full b movie on <laughs> like they, they were like, like this mouse and this human are still a mouse and yeah. a human yeah. and it's fine like but they do get to like, be friends and everything works out and yeah i like right. that this book has kind of some humor but if we're talking about our quest ej's and my mm-hmm. quest is to have a fantasy bridge to the humor of terry pratchett we need self-serious fantasy right it, yes. if if all fantasy is introduced to our children right. as being hilarious fantasy then terry pratchett won't feel brilliant and unique we have True. to give them sort of timeless self-serious fantasy so that mm-hmm. then when we get into the pratchett stuff they're like whoa this is blowing my mind right now that's certainly what i'm after yeah and i think this book is such a good starting point i'm actually impressed that we chose such a good book for this because yeah. it is it is like i don't know how else to put it <laughs> it's it is stock. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a king. <laughs> right. There is a queen. Like it's uh, what what do they call him? Uh, uh Commedia dell'arte. Sure. I mean, it's like literally every <laughs> archetype in Commedia dell'arte. I know. Yeah. Is this is this show for adults or kids? Who knows? <laughs> but like you know, like all of the all of those uh, uh caricatures or characters uh, yeah. that are uh, you know uh, reveal themselves in this book. Right. Absolutely. It's just very very much to the T. This is what it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really good entry point because it sets up that sort of that that sort of baseline yes. for your kid to eventually be able to subvert that, right? To be able exactly. to, in their mind, understand the subversions that are happening. Right. I think this would be an excellent um, first fantasy book, basically, outside yes. of, I don't know what you would get into with like, you know, board books and, and proper children's books. But as a chapter book, this is such a good first fantasy. Yep. I will say, too, I had misconceptions about this book um, because I've I've always heard of Mouse Guard. I've never read Mouse Guard. I'd never read Tale of Despero as a kid. But I thought Tale of Despero was very similar to Mouse Guard, where Mouse Guard is like, at least, and I might even have misconceptions about Mouse Guard, but my understanding is like, Mouse Guard is like a fantasy epic where there aren't people and everything is animals and the animals are all the cultures and that's our huge fantasy epic. I thought Tale of Despero was like that, but Tale of Despero is not. The Tale of Despero is just a story about a literal mouse with people in a ca- castle. And and I think that is more approachable at first, you know, for a first thing, you know, we don't have to get into the, like the, the, the challenge of allegory and like this isn't mouse by spiegelman this isn't uh watership <laughs> down like this isn't that right stuff. <laughs> well it's certainly not those things you're yeah. right um, <laughs> um i think one of the things that it does really well is it actually minimizes the scale mm-hmm. really well mm-hmm. and in a lot of different ways right one it's just in a castle we yep. don't need to be anywhere else yep. we're in a castle yep. um two and, and even though there's rooms in the castle you can you can conceptualize that as a child yeah uh, it's much easier to conceptualize just a castle than like a tavern and a right. town and a cave right like there's a bunch of stuff going on there's they the biggest thing that kate DiCamilla does that i think is the best story element is she doesn't introduce a ton of characters right at a time she keeps it simple right like yeah. a lot of fantasy s- novels and you know this as well as i do for sure 
introduce a, a ton of characters. And this could have easily done that. I mean, you're talking about mice and rats. Yeah. We're talking about right. uh, <laughs> populations that are generally large when it comes to when it yeah. comes to how many of thing there are, right? right. So uh, for her to just be like, no, 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 I'm going to cut out literally anything that is just not important to the yeah. story. Like, like she... You can b- tell she like barely keeps the tailor in this story, which sure. is the or the threadmaster, I think is yeah. what it uh, the that mouse is called. Like you can tell like that character probably almost didn't make the cut cuz it's like that might start getting yeah. just too much, right? Uh so there's like two rats, there's three humans and there's five mice. <laughs> that that especially stays true later. I would say the very first book is the only one where it's almost overwhelming almost because there. you're getting mm-hmm. a lot of mouse culture like you're meeting uh, Despero's like family, you know, parents mm-hmm. and brothers and all of that, and, and furlough, yeah. and furlough, and like the 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 council of mice and stuff like like yeah. it feels like a lot, but all most of those are like sort of nameless. You know, it's a whole right. council with one person at the head. It's meant to just yeah. feel like a society a that Despero yeah. is being thrown out of, but it's not like you're meeting yeah. every single individual person. So it's it right. Is There's super shouts focused. from the gallery. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so it's mostly focused on uh, Despero and his parents and. Man, also to talk about uh, what happened. I mean, think about the idea that Despero is uh, willingly thrown out by his family. And it even remarks on that. It's like, can you ima- it, it asks the reader to imagine themselves being thrown into the dungeon by their parents. Can you imagine seeing your father not vote to save you on a council? That's dark. And then it comes back around when he meets his family again and his father is filled with regret over like i don't know those are some big themes it was powerful that, yeah it's 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 tough stuff to sort of break down uh for a kid but it would be you know it's it's sort of a way to teach about maybe the the <laughs> the darkness of older times or whatever without you know being too too weird about it it's just a mouse getting kicked out of their society but it's it's some heavy stuff yeah i think the points that the book makes really leverages sort of the negativity of the first three books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the first three books, like you're saying, they're, they're pretty heavy. Like, they're dark. Uh, yeah. Like one of like Despero is like the only child of his mom, essentially, because I mean, obviously as brothers, but of like a litter, because like, like one whole litter of her, of her mice children died. Like, like the beginning of finding Nemo. That's like the first, yeah, it <laughs> like literally the is finding scene in Nemo. history. Yeah. Yeah. It is literally the start of finding Nemo. You're like, good Lord. This, yeah. What is this movie? Like, or what is this book? And you're the same with this book. Yeah. And yeah. then Roscuro, same thing. Like, yeah. And, and Miggery Sal, same thing. So, but it teaches you the lessons of like, if you have a story to tell, like yeah. it's you know that's really the the point here. Well, and like, all three of these characters band together in the end mm-hmm. to change their odds and to yep. change their situations. And it's that I mean, in the end, that's what the tale of Despero is about. Is like these right. three deeply dark characters all found their way out of the problems that they had and and managed to make friends and and you know find the light and become a princess you know they all they all got what they needed in the end so and i i think it's i think it's told well if on, if still uh sort of plainly is the wrong word but you know in in that way we're looking for a sort of generically told yeah. uh fantasy book i think that's what it captures perfectly yeah love it uh well next yeah. week we have another kind on the longer side when we got another chapter book it is called root magic 
by oh, yeah. Eden Royce. This is a recent novel from uh, literally last year, 2020. Well, I don't know what year this episode is coming out. And actually, we're, <laughs> we're now coming close in on a we don't know when this show releases versus when we recorded. But 2021 <laughs> is when Root Magic came out. But uh, it's a, it is continuing our uh, look at fantasy. But this is set in like a 1960s uh civil rights movement mm, but with yeah. fantasy elements so i'm very excited to see more kind of modern takes on uh fantasy for kids but that's 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 our next bridge is uh root magic yeah i'm excited to kind of go into something that's just a little bit different for a while um yeah we've kind of been on the fantasy kick for a bit so it'll be interesting to see a little bit more I mean, I know that it's still like a magic book, but I think it'll be more rooted in it's kind not of medieval fantasy and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not medieval fantasy. I guess yeah. that's what I mean. You know, the other project we'll have to do, and and we haven't been thinking about it because there hasn't been like a reason to. Uh, but mm. we we have this whole like we have to sort of make a fantasy bridge. I I was thinking in the library today, like what the progress for children's sci-fi looks like, and that'll have to oh. be a project down there. I don't know what we'll do about sci-fi because it's such yeah. a stranger topic to cover for because sci-fi is so often used for such big <laughs> broad topic i mean we just finished a really big sci-fi book in our book what? club and what i don't does sci-fi don't, look like for children yeah. that's yeah that yeah. is a very interesting question i like ender's game the, and stuff but that's like a oh, bit yeah. advanced like what is pre-ender's game i don't know yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have to find out if people have suggestions for some yeah. good sci-fi uh for kids i would absolutely take it some some sub 200 page books that are sci-fi what does that even look like i have no idea wow you've actually stumped me you, unlocked, you brought this camp i know i was <laughs> looking around at me. covers of the library and i was like i don't really see any sci-fi like i don't know I, maybe maybe it's just so hard to like how do you do speculative science fiction for for an eight-year-old i don't know <laughs> in a way it's like fantasy fiction is kind of the sci-fi yeah, right like of children like you right. got you kind of don't get into it you have to almost segue into it so yeah that'll be interesting uh once we get off our fantasy kick yeah to yeah. see if there are any books like that i'm, yeah. I'm excited to read absolutely those. well we'll see everyone next week and uh just remember stories are light and i hope dear listener you have found some here that's a sweet quote that, that quote almost brought a tear to my eye <laughs> 